Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You know, um, while she was sharing that illustration there, I thought to myself, wow, our finances are the one area that we're the ones that control what happens, not God. You didn't like that, did you? Because he's already given us the principles to operate in. Now, if we would just get our head out of the religiosity of what you might have been trained all your life and finally realize the truth of the Bible, he tells you, give and it shall be given. He tells us when we tithe, when we, when we put him first in our finances, when we follow the principles that he's prescribed for us, he said, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you won't even be able to measure it, to weigh it. But, but, but do we think that way? Or do we take that area and go, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, and wait until you're almost on empty uh, in the checkbook, in the savings account, um, and then you start running for the, for the credit cards? And then what do you do then when the credit card maxes out? You know, so, so why don't we get ahead of those things? Okay, and, and listen, I'm not telling you something that we don't live. My wife and I have operated this way. Honestly, one of the very first revelations that the Lord spoke to me within days after I got born again was the principle of the tithe. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't remember ever hearing a teaching about it. I just knew. I went to church for the first time in a church like ours, on Easter Sunday of 1984, it was April the 23rd of 1984, April the 22nd of 1984, I walked into this little church on the other side of Bricktown, it's not there anymore, and I went back on Wednesday night, got born again, April the 25th, 9.30 at night on a Wednesday night, the next Sunday, I went to church and immediately instinctively knew I had to give, I had to pay this thing called a tithe. Now, does it bother anybody when I say pay the tithe? It should not. It should not because there is a distinction between a tithe and an offering, okay? It's two different things. See, the offering in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it goes into it in depth. The offering... God allows us to determine whatever we want to give. Now, we should be following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And how many of you have ever had, had situations where the Spirit of God literally told you how much to give in a specific offering? Okay. Now, that, so God allowed you to, be, to cooperate with him. But the tithe belongs to the Lord. Do we understand that? No, because some of us are suffering... Uh, and, 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 being, and getting stressed out over areas that we really have no reason to get stressed out because God's already told you, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. So, so if God's already told us, if you do this, this is what's going to happen, and we refuse to do that, and then this doesn't happen, why do we get stressed out? Why do we, get, why do we start complaining? Oh, God, how come I'm going to? Why am I suffering financially? Why are my needs not met? Well, he's up there going, I'm not holding it back. You're holding it back. We're holding it back. 
Now, I, I, let me tell you something. I could preach for weeks on this stuff because, again, it is something that God has made very, very real to my wife and I, okay? We would not have made it this far if it were not for the principles in the Word of God as it pertains to finance, to giving and receiving, okay? Giving and receiving, okay? Is it okay if I share a little bit of this a little bit more? Because this is another area of authority. We're talking about authority on Wednesday nights. Um, can you guys get me out of this little ringing cave here? Uh, there's a little bit of a ring, a little bit of a, like a tinny thing here in it. It's bothering my ear. Um, if you understand, I'm just going to run with this, okay? If you will let the Bible teach you who you are, but you got to start in the beginning. And I'm going to get into this later in my notes. I'm just going to skip ahead here. You've got to start in the very beginning. The very, some of the very beginnings of our relationship with God, between God and mankind, were directly linked to who we are in his eyes. Okay? Genesis chapter, let's see. I know, uh, Genesis 1.26 Remind me to go back to the beginning of my notes. Though. Thank you. That's better. That's much better. Um, Genesis 1.26. Listen to this. This is the very first chapter of the Bible. Then God said, let us make man in our image. That's the Trinity there. Okay, God's not, not you know, he doesn't have multiple personality disorder. Okay, from the, from the very beginning, God is, re, God is showing us that the Trinity exists. Okay. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay? Then God blessed them, male and female. And God said to them, male and female, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have what? Dominion. dominion. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, so God, in the very beginning, lets us know, this is the position that I'm putting you in. This is the position that I desire for you to operate in. So when, it, when a child of God does not take their rightful position, something suffers. Okay. Adam didn't take his rightful position. Adam failed, not only, not only did he fail to guard over the garden, but the greatest crime that he committed was he did not educate his wife according to the commandments that God gave him. You remember, when God spoke to him and told him, don't eat of that tree, Eve wasn't created yet. So whose responsibility was it to educate Eve? Adam. So when he failed to do that, he pretty much set his wife up to fail, okay? He was not, listen, 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 because you're here on Wednesday night. I would imagine you're here because you want to learn some things, right? Yeah. And I love Wednesday nights because Wednesday nights, the Holy Spirit just pours stuff out, okay? Because the fact that you're here and you're here hungry, okay? Anybody that preaches will know there's a big difference. Uh, the crowd determines what the Holy Spirit does, okay? We can talk about that another time, all right? 
You see, some, of, some, some Christians get uncomfortable with this kind of talk because you've been religiously brainwashed to think that you're just the weak old worm in the dust. You're, you're an old sinner. Now, now, you were a weak old worm in the dust. You were an old sinner. If you've been born again, you're not in that category in God's eyes. Okay? Remember this. Another thing we're going to get to later on. Jesus came not only to save us from going to hell, but he came to restore us back to the place that Adam originally had with our Father in heaven. Adam's position was a position of authority. We are supposed to rule and reign on this earth. And the day's going to come when Jesus comes and restores everything. We're going to rule and reign on the earth. Okay? We're going to have responsibilities in the kingdom of God. We're not just going to kick back and be on vacation for all of eternity. Okay? But in this dispensation of time, from the time when Jesus was on the cross and said it is finished until the time that he returns, the church operates in a measure of ruling and reigning on the earth. We're supposed to be showing forth what the kingdom is going to be like when the kingdom comes to this planet. Are you catching this? This is deep stuff. Most most Christians never get this far. They're content. I'm not going to hell. That's it. Jesus, I'll see you in eternity. That's not, his, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We are supposed to be operating in authority. And some people, let me tell you something. Um, religious spirits do not like this type of talk. And, and, you know, when you start talking like this, people will say, well, who do you think you are? I don't think I'm anybody. I'm only going by what the book says. And I'm careful not to let that not for, my, not for me to think more highly than I ought to, according to what it says in Romans, but I'm um, to think soberly. I'm um, to understand. Neither am I supposed to downplay what Jesus suffered and died on the cross to get us back in that position again. So, so let's, let's, let's relate this to the area of finances because most of the thing that keeps you up at night is two problems, two issues that most people come for counseling, most people come for prayer, most people have questions, most people stay up at night, most people will cry and wail and everything else over two specific needs. Number one is usually health, number two is finances. When number two is out of order, when your finances are out of order, you will eventually develop problems in the area of health because you're not, you were not made to live under that kind of stress. And do you think God knows how you were made? Yes. Do you think God knows what kind of stress you can take and not? Yes. And this is why I get so angry with religious people when they start attacking the prosperity message as far as financial needs and stuff like that. What kind of God would we have if he did not make provision for his children so that you would not have to get stressed out? You would not have to say you could have the things you need to take care of your family. And he's not against you having a little bit extra so that you can help somebody else who maybe is not there yet. I, I get extremely angry when I hear ignorant individuals that are usually influenced by religious demons to come against a prosperity message. And it usually comes from people who have money already. They just don't want you to have any. I'm telling every major minister that I have ever seen on a national, international level that's ever come against the message of financial prosperity for the child of God usually is a person who made it already. You listening to me? You have authority to operate in certain principles. You have been authorized to operate in specific 
um, areas of, of releasing of the power of God, okay? Where we're going to end up in this series next week is this to this point. You have been authorized and I have been authorized to forgive people. I'm just going to give you a little bit ahead of time. If you do not operate in that authority to forgive, your other authority that you need to operate in will be undermined. Okay? You think about this. Go look at Jesus' teachings on prayer. Every time Jesus taught on prayer, he immediately teaches on forgiveness. Every time he teaches on walking, Mark 11, 23, 24, 25 is followed by 26, which talks about forgiveness. Are you catching this? It's all, look, he wants us to succeed. He doesn't want us to fail. And so when you, when you resist and you refuse to operate in the principles that God has laid out for us, you're harming yourself. If you refuse to forgive, you don't receive forgiveness. Are you listening? Yes. So, so why, why would you want to allow the corrupt system of the world to determine your financial status when you can disconnect from the corrupt system of the world, you listening? And connect with the system of God in his kingdom when it comes to finances, okay? Why would you not want to do that? Because you're going to live a life where there's less stress. Okay. Listen to me. I don't stress about money. You say, well, sure, look at the... No, no, honey, I didn't stress about money when I didn't have it. You listening to me? Why? Because we learned how to trust God. We, but listen to me. You can't say, I, I trust God, if you're not operating in the principles that God told you to operate in. You're undermining yourself. You're undermining your faith. You're undermining your relationship with God. Doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven. But why would you not want to experience some of heaven here? Yes or no? So, so this is an area we've had extensive, extensive, just teaching from God, just, just life experience. Are you listening? So, so let's get back to this, operating in authority that's going to affect our finances. I'll, I'll pass my notes around. None of this is in there. None of this is in. I'm saying that, and I'm saying that because I know when I tapped into a, into a vein, into a flow of the Holy Spirit, okay? And there's obviously individuals that need to hear this tonight. Maybe I need to refresh myself in this tonight, okay? If God says, I'm the one that's going to provide all of your needs according to my riches in... You, you, you missed a part there, which most people miss, okay? It says, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches... Where? Where? In glory by Christ Jesus, we skip over and go right to the Christ Jesus. But the, 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 the needs, the provision that you need is in a realm called glory. Look at it as a bank account. Look at it as a vault. That vault is called glory. Okay? Now, how do you tap into that glory? Well, some people over the years, and again, I've been in this thing for 35 years. Well, we tap into glory when we come together as a church, and we, we jump up and down, and we run around the room, and we play certain songs, and, and songs like this that are completely unscriptural. Okay, we're going to shout to the glory of the Lord comes down. Anybody remember that song? Okay, why? 
If his spirit lives in me, where is he coming from? So, so, now, so now, and believe me, I've been in those services, hooping and hollering and jumping and rolling and spitting and shouting and all this kind of stuff until, you, until they get themselves into a frenzy, which is really nothing more than hype. You tap into the glory of God by operating in the principles of God, with operating, with coming into his courts with thanksgiving in your heart. By having reverence for the presence of God. For, uh, look, he's in us, we're in him. I don't have an expectation from the Holy Ghost to come from somewhere. The Holy Ghost is here. Okay, I remember many, 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 many years ago when church first started, it was an evangelist that was traveling around here. Okay, and we were gonna hook up with this person. We were gonna have massive crusades and we were gonna touch all of Ocean County, Monmouth County, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I go to the first meeting, and this is what he said. We want all your pastors to get your people together and have all-night prayer meetings where we're going to cry out to God for his presence. And I said to the young man with me, come on, let's go. (laughs) I'm done here. And I said to the guy, are you joking? I've been spending the last two years trying to teach my people that God lives inside us that they're to be aware of the presence of God in me, and now you want me to unteach them and get them into some kind of religious frenzy where you think that God's going to respond because I'm up all night long shouting and crying and screaming and begging? I said, no, 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 I'm done. I'm done. You see what I'm saying? Why? Because he's positioned me. I am his child. You are his child. His spirit lives in you. He's not going anywhere. In fact, it brings honor and glory to the Father when we operate in that stance of authority. Oh, I have the greater one living in me. Are you listening? The greater one lives, and he's greater. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But you see, when, when a Christian, when a believer does not operate in that authority, then the one that's in the world starts rising up as he's greater. You listening? You listening? I am convinced with all my heart, and I have a personal stake in what I'm about to say, that if if Christians were alert to the voice of the Holy Spirit, then 911 would have never happened. Never happened. Because you start, and and some of you have heard my own personal story when it comes to that. That took place on a Tuesday. On Sunday afternoon, two days before that, my wife and I were driving up to the to Newark Airport to pick up our son, and at that time, one of our youth pastors. They had gone to a conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They were there for a week. They were coming home. After church, we got in the car. My wife was driving because I was tired. We drove up there as soon as we got off the turnpike. And if you know where the exit, I believe it's exit 13, okay? When you come off of exit 13, you see the full skyline of New York City. And as I'm coming off of there, I'm looking out the windows, and I hear this on the inside as if somebody's sitting in the back seat. Very shortly, there's going to be a terrorist attack, and that, that skyline will never look the same again. And I thought, okay, he's talking about it to the future. So I didn't pray. When it happened Tuesday morning, I wanted to fall on my knees and say, God, forgive me, because you told me Sunday this was coming. I guarantee you, I was not the only one. 
Because when the church does not operate in its authority, then the one that's in the world gains a footing, gains a foothold, gains power. Because he has power. If you don't think, if you're one of those Christians who walk around, the devil's defeated, doesn't have power. Oh, really? Go look at somebody suffering in a mental hospital and tell me if he doesn't have any power. Go, go to some of the countries of this world where they're suffering from poverty like you can't believe. And you tell me if the devil doesn't have power. He has power. But watch. But we have authority over his power. Jesus gave it to us. He said, I give you power, authority, over, over to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And then he adds this in case you get scared, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. So, so let's get back to the finances. Why? Because the teaching of the gospel should be practical. The teaching of the word of God should be practical. It shouldn't have to be ooh out there. You shouldn't have to have six people explain to you. He said very clearly in his word, if you will take your tithes and bring it first. Why? There's something about God that he wants to be first. Do you think he's worthy to be first? This is his game. He created all this. He put this together. He deserves to be first. It's not, a, it's not an ungodly thing for God to ask to be put first in our lives. Why? Number one, he knows when we put him first in our life, our life changes. How many of you know, let's all be honest with each other, when you're walking in a season where you're walking in obedience to God, you're spending time with God, you're spending time in prayer, you're spending time reading the word, you're resisting sin. When the temptation comes, you go, no, 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 I know I can do that if I want to, but I'd rather have Jesus. How many of you know your life is very different during that time period? And then, and then what happens? You slip, you fall, you, you are willingly get involved in something that you got no business to get involved in, and then your whole quality of life changes for that season. Yes or no? Yes. So why would we not want to walk according to the principles that he's already laid out for us, especially when it comes to finances? Now, we don't live in a type of society that they did back in the Old Testament. You can get You go in your backyard, you grab a couple eggs, you scramble them up, you eat. How many of you have chickens in your backyard? You do. Chickens? Good. So, so, so if, if anything happens, we know where to go. But you know what I'm saying. We don't live in that kind of an agricultural society. We live in a society that operates by cash. Yeah, well, we're in a cashless society. Cashless or not, it's still money. You still have to, you're still some type of uh, a vehicle of currency that has to get exchanged if you want lights on in your house, if you want heat, if you want a roof over your head, if you want food in your refrigerator, there, there has to be an exchange of currency. Yes or no? Yes. Okay? So, so, so then God has already provided for this system. Now, in the old days, when they paid their tithes, they would take for every 100 chickens, they would take 10 chickens and bring them to the place where God would receive the tithes. It was 10% of the increase. 10%. Say, well, that sounds like a lot of money. The government's taking 25% from you every you check every week and you don't even complain. And they don't even ask you. Minimum of 25%. Minimum of 20%. And they don't even say, can we have this? They just take it. You don't even have a choice. God at least gives you a choice whether you're going to obey or not. You see what I'm saying? 
That's how practical it is. And some of you, some of you, some of I know, because I wouldn't be talking about this if this wasn't something that was, some, some of you are resisting. You know you're supposed to do this, but you're resisting. You're resisting. And let me tell you something. The longer you resist, the less authority you're going to have in that area. You see, when you're a tither and you're doing it from your heart, and you're doing it because you know this is God's system of government. This is the way God runs his economy. You look at life differently. You walk differently. I remember, I remember a couple of years ago when there was a hurricane that was going to hit. There was that season where there was like one hurricane after another. It was hitting Florida and the Caribbean. and all. There's, a, there's a couple in this church. Now, they're, they're back down to Florida now because they go for the winter. And uh, they had a home in Naples. And they were sitting right back there against the wall back there. And I knew the hurricane was coming. And I went over to them to offer prayer. You know, what are you hearing back? He goes, we're not worried. Now, these people are in their 80s. Okay? Uh, I said, uh, you know, I asked about it. She said, we're not worried. We're tithers. Amen. Okay? All right. Now, let me, let, me, let me give you one even more personal. Many years ago, when we were still in the restaurant business, okay, uh, the restaurant was here in town, the other side of town. Uh, it was a combination pastry shop, restaurant, deli, the whole bit. And uh, it, the front doors opened out right into the parking lot, okay? And so we were there one morning. I'll never forget. It was like about 11 o'clock in the morning. My wife had stopped by with our youngest son, who at that time was what? Three, two? About two or three years old. He's walking. Um, you know how they are when they're two or three years old? They're all, you know, all over the place. So, so we're in the dining room of the restaurant, which was set back a little bit, but there's a clear shot from the dining room straight through to the parking lot. And somehow or another, the front doors got left open. And we're watching, paralyzed, as little David runs, couldn't get him fast enough, runs out into the parking lot, and I see a car coming this way. I yelled, David! And he temporarily stopped and looked back, and you know how a three-year-old is? And rent. But thank God he stopped because otherwise he would have been right in front of the car. But his, that hesitation caused him to, he hit the car on the side of the car and the car back wheel went over his foot. So we jump in the car. We run over. A friend of mine was a chiropractor a couple blocks away. You bring him over there. He checks him out. He goes, there's nothing wrong. I said, but the, foot, but the tire prints on his, on his sneaker. There's nothing wrong with him. His foot is fine. We come back to the restaurant, and one of the assistant pastors at the church we're in happened to stop by. And we're telling him, because he, he saw the, you know, we were kind of upset and things like that. He said, what happened to him? He said, let me tell you what the Lord just said to me, right on that spot there, okay? This is what the Lord said. The Lord said, if he wasn't a tither, I wouldn't have been able to protect his son. Some of you say, well, I don't believe that. Don't believe it. My son's fine. Has been ever since then. Why? Because you see, in Malachi chapter 3, when God talks about the tithe, he says, if you'll do that, I'll rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Some of you are sitting back, and some of you could sit here tonight and go, I don't believe any of it. Don't believe it. <laughs> it works for me. <laughs> You're getting devoured. Your finances are getting devoured. Your peace of mind is getting devoured. 
Your health is getting devoured. Your family's getting devoured. Everything's getting devoured because you refuse to walk in that principle. And, and God's saying, why, why, are you do, why are you letting the devil come and rob you like this when I have given you a vehicle of protection? Why did God let this happen? You know, many times it's not God that lets nothing happen. It's us. We make it. We let it happen. You listening to me? So it is in your interest to make sure that you put, you see, because it's not about the money. It is the, you think God needs our money? Seriously. Do you really think God needs our money? It's just our currency is our way of saying, Father, this that I've earned, that you allowed me to earn, that you've given me breath to breathe, you've given me strength, you've given me an ability and a talent to earn this money, I want to acknowledge you. So I'm putting you first. Well, Pastor, you know, we see if we have anything left over after the bills, then we... No, that's not tithing. That's tipping. (laughs) When do you pay the waitress? After you eat. Okay? God said, no, 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 you put me first. Why? See, because there's no faith exhibited. There's no faith demonstrated if you wait till the end to see if you have anything left. Anybody can do that. But when you take the step to put him first, that's faith. And faith does what to God? Pleases him. You listening to me? So, so now, now we can walk with authority. Okay? We walk in authority, especially when it comes to finances. Finances have to show up in my household. Okay? Why? Because I'm a tither. Finances have to show up in this ministry. Why? Because we're tithers. You listening? You don't want to go to church where the pastor's not tithing. Why? Because that person's working, walking in curse. You want to go to church that's under a curse? Would you, want, would you want me to not tithe? Oh, so it's okay for me, but it's not okay for you. Gotcha. I wouldn't want a person in leadership that doesn't tithe. Why? Because they got the devourer on their back. They're not going to be able to concentrate on taking care of the people. Why? They're, they're worried about their needs getting met. How am I going to pay my car? How am I going to pay my house payment? How am I going to pay my electric bill? When a person's got that kind of pressure on them, you think they're going to worry about you? You come to them for prayer, and they're like, I need prayer from you. You see, Does this not make sense? This is how practical it is. So, so we pay our tithes. We're not, your tithes are not giving. Your tithes are you're getting. Let's look at it this way. If you had a business partner that you gave him a 10% share in your business, this person put everything up you needed to start that business. And he said, you know what? Go prosper. Go make your money. Just at the end of the month, give me 10%. Is that a gift at the end of the month that you give him? No. Why? Because it was his money to begin with. So you're paying your business partner his 10% that you agreed upon. Are you, are you getting this? Okay, say, well, you're really dragging this out tonight. No, because I know there's people here that are suffering financially, and you don't need to. And that's the most stupid thing in the world. Okay? So that's the tithe. We put him first. Yes or no? Yes. Turn to somebody say, put him first. Put him first. There's something about God. He wants to be first. 
All right? And he, and he should be. He should be. Now let's talk about giving. Giving, he leaves up to us. Well, Pastor, I'm, I'm overwhelmed now. I can't even tithe. Now you want me to tithe and give. <laughs> Listen to me. The tithe, I can explain it this way the best. The, when this is, I should have never even put these notes together. Watch this now. The tithe honors God. Okay, the tithe honors God. It rebukes the devourer. In other words, it keeps the devil off your back when it comes to your finances and stuff like this. Okay? The tithe gets God. Now listen, listen. He said, well, can you go to Malachi chapter 3? Sorry, verse 10. I'll, I'll give you a minute. Okay. So, so watch this now. This needs to be taught. I haven't, I haven't had the chance to teach on this in a while. Okay? The tithe honors God, puts God first, first, it, it rebukes the devourer, and that's a fancy word for like smack him in the face, okay? He smacks him, puts the devil in his place, says, no, no, you can't touch him. Don't touch him, okay? But it also, watch this now. You, we have it yet? Watch this now. He said, if you'll do this, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you can't measure it. Now, watch this now. The blessing of the tithe is way more than a reward back monetarily. I'll never forget when the Lord showed me this about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. If he's opening the windows of heaven, that means I get a glimpse. Are you catching this? If he's opening the window while it's pouring out, I get to glimpse in what's going on up there. So the tithe not only releases financial blessing and monetary blessing and, and protection, it releases a level of revelation into what's going on in God's kingdom like never before. Are you catching this? So don't worry about it if you can't find it. I, but you know what? I'd rather have 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Because that's where I want to go. Somebody look that up and tell me where, it start, where Paul starts talking about giving. I think it's verse 14. I'm not sure. Is anybody learning anything tonight? Yes. I, 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 you wish you stayed home? No. Okay. I want, I want this congregation to be at peace. No shepherd should want their sheep living a life jittery. I want fat sheep, plump, happy sheep. I don't want sheep that are skinny because they're too nervous because they can't eat. I'm just all upset. Skinny sheep. I want fat sheep. Turn to somebody and say, be a fat sheep. Fat sheep walk in blessing. Go, go back. Go back. Why, why did that happen? You must have hit the switch on the wall there. Man, we're all over the place tonight. Lights going off. Screens going off. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting where? Verse 1? Verse 6. That's what I said. Verse 6. Verse 6, not verse 8. I know. 
I, I, I'm sorry for throwing you guys off there back there. Verse 6. Right, somebody give me the Bible so I can read it. We got it? God, good. God was merciful because that print is way too small. Now watch this now. The tithe is Malachi chapter 3 where you have the most in-depth teaching about it. But it's all through the Word. And please don't give me that stupid argument. Well, that's Old Testament. No, it's not even Old Testament. It actually exists before the Old Testament. So it's outside of the law. That's under the law. No, no, it existed before the law. Genesis chapter 15, okay? Abraham pays tithes to Melchizedek. That was hundreds of years before the law was revealed to Moses. So don't give me that stuff. And then Jesus talks about it in the Gospels about tithing. And then in Hebrews, either chapter 8 or chapter 7, it says here... Men receive tithes, but in heaven, he receives them. So there, listen, listen, this, this should put a little fire underneath you. There's an accounting system in heaven, and you know who tithes and who doesn't. Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. You catching this? Now, what are we doing? What are we talking about? We're not talking about tithing now. We're talking about giving. We're talking about offerings, offerings, offerings. All right? Because remember, we pay tithes. Tithes are paid. Yes? And look at Paul's instruction for giving. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So, so tithing is not sowing. Tithing is paying. It's like going to Costco. You can't get in unless you have your card, right? So you paid your dues to get in there. I just want to make it a little bit more practical, Okay. Remember this, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Okay, so this is, this is the basis of what I'm saying. You determine your financial outcome because you can choose to sow or plant. Go back to six, please. You can choose to plant sparingly, just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. Or you can choose to whoo, sow generously. Okay, so if you if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap. So if you sow generously, how are you going to reap? Next verse. Each of you, watch this now. So who gets to choose what we give? We do. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? It says cheerful in English. In, In the original language, it says hysterical. Hysterical. Get hysterical about giving, right? Go ahead, next verse. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, which is what Cindy was talking about tonight, don't wait until the gas gauge is is on empty. Don't wait until your checkbook is empty. Don't wait until the kitchen cabinets are empty. Don't wait until the refrigerator is empty. Don't wait until until your wallet's empty. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm panicking. Oh, let me give. No, that's not. No, you're doing it for the wrong reason there. You do it as a lifestyle. So you're constantly, you cut. Well, you know, pastor, there's seasons. Yeah, there's seasons for giving and seasons for harvesting, but they're not limited to specific times. I'm constantly, we're constantly giving. Why? Because I want a constant harvest. You, You catching this? 
We're constantly giving. Constantly giving. Why? Because I want a constant harvest. Because the kingdom operates in seed, time, harvest. I don't want to wait that time. So if I have continuous plantings, I'm going to have continuous harvest. You catching this? And it works. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will what? Is abound a lot better than, let me just give you this little, I just have a little bit left. Having all that you need, so your needs are met. And then what? You will abound. Now, the abounding part is where you get to share with somebody else. Because you see, you can't share with somebody else if you're not abounding. If you only have enough to meet your needs, that's as far as it's going to go. You catching this? Next verse. As it is written, and he's quoting the Old Testament now, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Next verse. Here we go. Watch this now. Here's the mechanism. Now, he who supplies seed to the... What does it mean to sow? To plant, right? Okay. He who supplies, now he who, that should be a capital H because it's talking about God. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So there's two things that God supplies us. He's, look at, and look at the order of priorities. He supplies you with seed to, and bread to eat. Two things he supplies us with, all right? Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. And will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So here's increase. Okay? Next verse. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When you're in that abounding stage where you are now being used by God to relieve the financial burden in somebody else's life, what happens? They start to thank who? God. You see this whole chain of how this whole thing works? Let me ask you this question. God is the one who supplies the seed, but God's not going to do the planting for you. So let me ask you this question. Can you plant bread? What do you plant? What do you eat? What do you plant? Seed. What do you eat? Bread. What do you plant? Seed. What do you eat? Bread. You don't mix the two up. You see what I'm saying? Well, I don't have anything. You just, told, you just said that God's a liar because this scripture said he supplied you with seed. You have something. You have something. And so whatever that something is, you plant that to start with. And then as your harvest comes in, you take part of the harvest now and you put it aside and that becomes your what? Seed. What? For the next harvest. Okay? The rest of it is your bread. When you plant that seed and now it comes back as a harvest, you're going to do what? You're going to take part of it and you're going to put it aside because you want another crop, right? 
Because, you, you know, you want another crop because you're going to get hungry next week again. So you're going to take that and you're going to put that aside. Then it becomes your what? Seed. You, you do what with it? Come on, come on. You're getting it. You do what with the seed? You don't let it sit in a package in the garage. You take the seeds and you do what? Plant them. Why? Because you're expecting what to come in the future? A harvest. Are you catching this? If we do this, there should be a lifestyle of, yeah, I got what I need. You need help? You need help? Okay, here, let me take, let me take some of it. I'm going to plant this in your life now, okay? So now, now, what should you do when you receive that type of a blessing from somebody? I'm going to go home and have a party. No. <laughs> you take the part of that blessing, and now that becomes what? Seed in your life. Why? So that you can kickstart this process. Don't eat your seed. There's too many people eating your seed. Instead of allowing it to develop into your harvest, your next harvest of bread, he gives seed to the... So if, you, if you're not sowing, what's eventually going to happen? The this, this stream of seed is going to dry up. Why? Why is he going to give it to you? Because God, above all things, is a steward, a good steward a good manager of his resources. He's not going to pour into somebody where it's just going to stop with them. But if you're the type of person that will keep releasing it, keep pouring it, keep planting it, and keep being sensitive to Holy Spirit and, and see, well, this person is struggling and, and this and that and the other thing, and, and you know, there'll be a constant flow, constant flow. How many like constant flow? I like, I like constant flow. I like, okay, yeah, it's there, it's there. It's there. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about living in excess. I'm talking about living, being, watch this now, living in a position of authority in your finances. Man, I wish the whole church could hear this. The whole church could hear this. Because you want to know something? As soon as a marriage starts to falter, the first area I start asking questions about is the finances. When financial pressure hits a marriage, all the cracks start showing up. This is your fault, and you've been spending too much money. And if you, if you would, and, and if you, well, if you had another job, or if you had a better job, or if you had a promotion, and if we had more money coming in this house, we wouldn't have to live like this. You think God knows what He's doing? Absolutely. That's why He placed such a priority on teaching His people how to handle their finances. Why? So that these cracks won't show up. Kids start turning on the parents. How come I can't get the video game? And how come I can't get the sneakers? And how come I got to dress like this? And how come I got to buy my clothes at Walmart? And how come? And so dissatisfaction happens between the kids and the parents. Why do we have to eat this? Why do we have pancakes every night? And it all comes down to this financial thing. In the Old Testament, you know, he would bless their barns, bless their crops, bless their cattle. Those are real promises. I'll never forget many, many years ago when our, our, our little beagle got sick. This was years before she actually, you know, lived out her life, and that was it. And my wife talks, says, I never grew up with pets. We didn't grow up with pets in the house. Okay, but my wife did. So she said, she told me, she said, when, when, when dogs are sick, 
You got to watch because when they're ready to go, when they're ready to die, they'll go to the furthest part of the property by themselves. And, and this is exactly what happened. Our, our little beagle went to the furthest point in the backyard and I went, oh God, this is happening. So I went back there and I, I laid, you know, I, I knelt down next to her and I put my hands on her. And I said, Father, you said that you would bless my cattle. This is the closest I have to this cattle. So I, and, and, and I'm a tither. And you said that you would rebuke the devourer on my behalf in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever, and I had suspected that somebody had poisoned our, our dog, you know. And, and, and I laid hands and I commanded the poison to come out. And I commanded the sickness to go. And so I picked her up and brought her in the house. She, she slept like 12 hours straight, jumped off the couch, totally, completely normal. Lived, lived about another four years after that. But you see, you've got to operate in your position of authority. The world system is against us. The world system is not going to bring the kingdom of God into manifestation in your life. You have to operate in God's principles in order to get the kingdom of God manifesting in your life and in, in, in your surroundings and in your sphere of influence. But watch this now. The most, oh my God, the most selfish thing that you can do is to not live in your authority that's been given by God. Why? Because when you do, it affects everybody around you. When you don't, you cannot affect their lives. You, you can't because your authority has been undermined. Are you listening? It's that important. It's that, and it starts with the most common thing that we deal with every day of our lives. It's finances. Finances. It's 8 o'clock already. You going to come back next week? Because I got to finish this, okay? Now, don't, don't go anywhere yet. Listen to me. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to, I don't want to know. There's one thing that we do in this, in this ministry, okay? I don't want to know. The accounting department handles the giving. I don't want to know who gives, who doesn't give. I don't want to know who tithes, who doesn't tithe. I don't want to know that. Why? Because I don't want to be tempted to treat one person better than somebody else because I'm human just like you. I don't want to know, but I will. I'm going to say this now. If this message was for you, then I would advise you, your action step from this point is before you leave here tonight, you take a step in God and you let God speak to you what you're supposed to, what you're supposed to. And if you, you know that you should have been tithing, you know that you should have been doing that, then I'm telling you, for your sake, please, please for your sake, operate in that principle. Take a step of faith. Don't even go home and say, well, I'll do it this weekend. No, because no, your mind will talk you out of it before then. Go get an, get an offering envelope, fill it out, what you're supposed to do. Go, go bring it to, put it in the box out there, whatever. I don't, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to do it. I'm going to go right to my office because I don't want to see any of this. But I'm telling you, please, for your sake, start operating in that principle. Start, oper start operating that principle. You, you sick. It just changes everything. It he takes a dollar and he'll make five bucks out of it. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. Things just last longer. Your finances reach further. It just crazy stuff starts happening because you stepped out in faith. And the kingdom of God operates by faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, please come up front here. If not, God bless you. I pray that you come back next Wednesday night. All right, make sure you're here this weekend because we got some, another major announcement to make this weekend, okay? So make sure that you're here, all right? God bless you.
Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.